Hey, what's up, man? Hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> uh, doing pretty good. I uh, just got out of the. I took a little contrast shower after jujitsu this morning, and really feeling pretty good physically. Um, despite everything going on in the world, it seems like it's all crazy. Uh, mentally, I've been pretty strong this week. I know uh, you and I spoke a little bit last week, and it was just like head against the wall kind of stuff. But micro breakthroughs are enough to kind of satiate what I need, you know? <laughs> yeah, geez. And and realistically, I think pe- people that had maybe built their life and their framework around needing these, these giant bursts have probably had to retool themselves quite a bit because, I mean, all we're getting is drips at this point. We're just, we're just drinking from the thimble at this point um, as, as far as progress and, and certainly as far as positivity for me. But I don't know. I mean, if you can sustain yourself on that, then I think this can be a, 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 a minorly progressive time. You know, we see some that are making these giant moves. Um, and, and of course, I applaud them. And, and at some levels, it makes me really curious how they've managed to do it. I'm envious of it because, sure. I mean, we've 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 talked also a lot about the fact that I mean, I think both of us are pushing just about as hard as we can. And and uh, I mean, walking walking through mud is is probably an understatement. Yeah. Well, that's, that's something that I think that a lot of people that, you know, they, they see your messages and they found me or they saw my messages and they found you. Uh, I think there's a there's a common denominator amongst those types of people. I mean, these are not people who are just oblivious to their fitness. They're not oblivious to the world around them. I, I think that if I could brag on, on something that we've collectively shared privately is that most of the people who engage with us and follow our pages are really doers. And, you know, to speak to, to them directly, to speak to people that are like kind of in the weeds or in the mud right now. Um, you know, I personally want to say that without people like Greg, without people like Casey and Brandon and all these other people in my life, um, I could feel like I wasn't on an island and many times I do. Um, but just the, the willingness to accept that just because things are hard doesn't mean that it's a full blown retreat. It's like you kind of dig your heels in a little bit and keep clawing, keep, keep scratching, even if it brings frustration and, and failure upon failure. And I mean, like you said, we've talked about these things quite a bit, um, but you can't stop. And, what are you doing for yourself? Like, because, you know, you've had a couple injuries. I've had a couple injuries just to keep the wheel moving, even when it feels like it's not. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I mean, I don't think, I don't think what you said before was bragging. I, I think it's really just, it, it's kind of incredible. And, and my whole purpose, even since I was a kid has always just been kind of, you know, cultivating and then, and then curating, groups of people that actually care about what they're saying and care about what they're doing. And, and of course people trickle in that, that don't, but then they trickle right back out. And uh, I think our, our reach is, is smaller than it's been in a really long time. But I also think that the quality is higher than it's ever been ever. Um, and, and, and that's, that's so satisfying. And so, so for me seeing that is really the, the, the motivation and the driver that I need. And, um, you know, I, I just, I just won't, I just won't stop. I just won't stop pushing forward. That's it. And, and I mean, I've, (laughs) I've been pretty, pretty tangibly more than minorly injured for 20 of the last 24 months. And, 
I'm, st- I'm still making physical progress. Um, I'm, I'm still, the more, the more I stay injured and banged up, the more I learn about training others. And, and, and I'm not trying to be martyry about it, but, but if I'm pulling something positive out, it's the fact that while I'm kind of stumbling and struggling and uncomfortable, I'm learning a, a ton about how to help others not be that way. And mm-hmm. that's, that, that's been super valuable and, and useful for me. Um, of, of course, I of course, I am feeling limited and frustrated by the fact that I can't just run it right now like I want to and like I know I can. Um, but I also know that if I if I push too hard and I'm not I'm not attentive to it, then then it may not happen again. So um, I guess how I'm staying moving forward is, is just really moving forward. If um, I am highly susceptible to overthinking things. Um, of that nature. And so it, 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 it's right now you just tie your shoes and, and you go do it and, and that's it. And man, I mean, the, the setbacks and, and the, the hiccups, even well outside of all this ridiculousness uh, that we've had in the last in the last year or so. Uh, have, have have also taught me a lot about the fact that like you you really can't count on for a second that things are going well. Yeah. And long long term, um, I can see that being problematic because you can't you can't live in a constant state of of feeling like the shoe is going to drop. Um, but being prepared for a shoe to drop is also a really important uh, characteristic and and. Um, ability to have. So I, I don't know. It's, it, I get mixed up sometimes with it, but right now I'm just anticipating um, that the only things that are going to go well are the things that we force to go well and everything else uh, quite clearly is, is going to be kind of a mess. Yeah. And, you know, I think something that, you know, you have definitely helped me grasp at when I've kind of just been circling the drain a little bit and not saying that I've been depressed as low as I've ever been, but just, you know, days and weeks and sometimes feeling like a month of just hitting your head against the wall sometimes it takes a thousand knocks before the door opens you know and i think i think a lot of times uh we gotta pause and write that down (laughs) please do (laughs) but uh you know and that's that's one thing that i i really do try to take a take a stock of is Okay, how how monumental is this failure? How much am I really putting into this? Is there anything I can refine? And that's probably one of the biggest takeaways that I've I've grasped from you, from your writings and your coaching, is that when you run into a stumbling block, start asking more questions. When you when you, you can't get over, try under, and when you can't get around it, go through those kind of things. And that's the way I'm starting to look at a lot of this stuff. But I still hit hurdles. I still hit. Uh, in the road overwhelmingly you know i know that if there's if there's a fight for something i'm willing to fight for it i think that that's a common thread i'm hearing from a lot of people like you know we talked about the first wave of covid and and people deciding that they were going to for the first time in their life really buckle down really try to get healthy pay up pay off some debts uh prepare you know not paranoid but prepare and um i think that a lot of people stuck to that for a while. They got off track. They're getting back on track. But I keep seeing people that surprise me, and not in not in the bad way. I mean, nothing bad surprises me seemingly about people anymore. But <laughs> yeah. people, but people that I've watched or known or or kind of communicated with for years, somewhere in the last couple of months, I see them digging in a little harder, doing a little more. And on the other hand, like you and I have talked about uh, privately. 
it seems like in the last month or two, people are strong people, people that have showed up every day, people that have improved every day are kind of like they don't know how to keep weathering this storm because it's not the same storm. It keeps evolving and different and different factors keep occurring. And like, you know, not to not to make this thing a sour, sour grapes kind of episode, but it's really just awareness and defense of these things. Um, It's just the simple fact that even in all of this chaos, even in, in everything that's so uncertain, there are still certainties. There are still things that you can control. And I keep coming back to those things. Like I said, having the community and the classes at jujitsu holding me accountable there that then holds me accountable to my training, to my sleep, to my nutrition. And it's, it's like, I'm back in that tunnel mode a little bit where I've done a really good job of putting the phone down more, staying away from the news outlets more, really just kind of conversing with people that I trust and, and gathering the bits and pieces of what's going on around me because it's just too much. Like it's just too much to try to sit and and work through every single problem that isn't my own. You know, I can, I can control what I eat. I can control when I sleep. I can control my hydration, my nutrition, uh, and my, my training. And those things make me better. The other things just tend to, tend to take me down a rabbit hole that I don't want to go down. I mean, you, you, you covered a ton of interesting ground there. And, and I, I think a, a way that I've looked at it almost since the beginning, once we started realizing what was going on, even though we really don't still realize what's going on, um, is, is that th- there's a lot of, um, like forced simplicity that people had to adapt to a, a lot of things that, that all of us were really used to, and maybe even took a little bit for granted are off the table, or at least if they're on the table, they're way more of a challenge or, or they're way more of a headache. And I, I think at first to, to what you were saying about people wearing out and then other people kind of resurging, I think that forced simplicity at first for some people was kind of novel and, you know, they got to whittle things down and, and simplify a little bit. But then what, I, what I've seen, what I've experienced with, with our people here and, and speaking to a lot of people remotely that I've never met uh, is just that 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 novelty kind of wore off. And, and then they realized that that, oh, I, I don't really like my life in this really regimented kind of focused, hard, simple way. Mm-hmm. And. And once I once I saw that start happening, well, yeah, you start you start seeing people kind of lose focus, and it, it, you know the discipline feels like a chore. It becomes something that they're forced to do instead of something that they're living for, you know. And and yeah, and I think with with others, they saw that right out of the gate. They already had most of those characteristics in place, and now it, also to your point, you know, you know we've been, we've been threatened with so many quote unquote ends to this and it keeps getting shifted. It keeps getting magnified. Obviously we keep getting tricked into different stuff. And what, when you, when you've had your best foot forward for this entire time and there's really still, you know, no conceivable end in sight to a lot of this nonsense that, that is true. That is truly exhausting. And I mean, I, 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 I would be lying if I said I did not feel that every day. I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel anything resembling what I felt like a year ago as a person. Um, and, and that's really interesting to me because I've been pretty consonant for a really long time. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, although of course there are characteristics of me that are the sim, that are similar and the same, um, a, a lot, a lot of it has been whittled down even further to the point where, you know, my, my simplicity and discipline and, and things like that are at an all time high. 
Um, but my enjoyment of some of those things is, is definitely lower than it, than it was in the past because now it feels like something that's going to have to voluntarily or involuntarily happen forever with, with very little break or, or skies, you know, unclouded. And that's, that's been kind of strange to think about, but I also think it's an important perspective to, to look at because if you, if you're, you know, say next weekend, you're expecting a vacation and that vacation doesn't come and you get disappointed and you get 60% disappointed but then the vacation was supposed to come the following weekend and then you get another 20% disappointed. Well, all of a sudden, you know, the well is empty, the tanks are down. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of just have to start rolling with disappointments and only letting them take a percentage or two of, of your energy and your focus. And th- that's really kind of where I've had to go with things between being injured and, and being squash, you know, whether it be digitally or, or even locally, we've had a bunch of weird trouble and, 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 you know, if 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 I was letting all that stuff bring me down twenty or thirty points, man, I would my tanks would have been empty eight fucking months ago. Sure. Um, and, and so so you know, I guess I guess sustainability right now, sustenance right now is is really just putting your best foot forward, trying to help the people that you care about. And then I think one thing that we're both we're both lucky on is that we we, we have we have managed to stay upright enough that we can still basically help people at will. Um, I mean, there, there are people, uh, more, you more so than me, I'm sure, because you reach a, a ton of people, but there are people that I don't get back to as soon as I should. There are people that write really thorough, excellent messages that that don't get the response they should in the time they should. And, and I'm hard on myself about that, but, but I really do love the fact that when that does come up, they get what I believe is the best response they could get to their question. Sure. Um, and, and that's, that, that's satisfying for me. And that helps me keep feeling like we're moving forward, even when, when everything is, is, is pretty, pretty, I mean, everything is pretty stuck in the mud right now, honestly. Yeah. And to kind of look at everything that I've got going on and, you know, I have to come back to, excuse me, I have to come back to some of the things that, you know, I've let go. Like, like you said, some of the things that I enjoyed, uh, immensely, have somewhat become trivial. Uh, they don't matter quite as much. And I don't really know how to specify exactly what those are, but like, you know, I love, I love rock concerts, love music concerts. I love going out and being around those people, Yeah. but I've somewhat adapted to not having those things in my life. I mean, at least for the time being, I, I seek to do them again, but it was like, man, I was spending a lot of time getting to and from and here and there that I was missing out on other, these other things. So, I don't know how my life will calibrate out of this, you know, and, and find the balance point again, but I certainly don't recall a time that in a year, my approach to activities, my approach to myself, my thinking, my journaling, like everything is, is tipped quite a bit different than it was 18 months ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm still somewhat the same person, but like some of the things that I really enjoyed just weren't available for a while. And, and it's, it's making me question, should I go back to these things or was I just truly wasting my time? Because, you know, kind of like a, a bad breakup or something like that. Yeah, it stinks for a while, but once it's gone, you realize maybe it's better on the other side. And I was just using the concerts as a, as a first thought um, idea. But there's there's several things that I'm looking at like that. Like, how important is this thing truly? And would I have found this without this setback, you know? 
Well, I've I've thought a lot about that because I, I feel the very same. I don't do a lot of really big social stuff, but, but some of the things that I've enjoyed the most and that I enjoy the most are, I mean, simple stuff, but, but either gone or very, very limited now. I mean, of course, music being one of them. Um, and I've whittled it down to being able to digest it and adapt to it because it, just as you said, it's a component of your identity. It's not the crux of your identity. And, and so what I what I think we're seeing with with people that are really just getting ass over tea kettle with everything is that is that when the crux of their identity has been removed and they've never had any framework of having to pivot or adapt or adjust. You think about someone that, that is just a concert goer. Concerts are an easy, easy target because it's been one of the challenging things to, to have come back. So, someone that really just did that as their lifestyle. They went and mm-hmm. saw live music and that's all they really did. They, maybe they were a fan of the band. Maybe they worked with music. I know I know a lot of those people and I know some of them are at this point, like not in not in good position. And I, I think and it's not a fault. It's just a fact is that the crux of their identity was this singular type of thing, this, mm-hmm. this singular piece. And with, with, with me, I mean, music and, and things like that have been part of my identity since I was just a child. And so of course I feel removal and, and I feel difference, but the, the purpose, the message of, of all the music and, and things like that, that I've participated in is still, is still with me. And so I can, I can still use that as, as fuel and, and motivation, but I wasn't so entrenched in, in the, in the travel aspect of it and the live aspect of it as I was when I was a kid. I mean, I think if, I think if this had all shaken out when I was 21 or 22 years old, um, it would have been, it would have been a far different thing, but you, you, you put things in their appropriate place as components of, of your identity and your personality, not the entire thing. So that when something does have to shift or go wrong, you're not totally upside down. And I, I think we're, I think we're both fortunate in that too. Like I, I think the, I think the, cr- the crux of my identity could be could be whittled down to detail orientation. And so as long as there is something that I can stay detail oriented on and, and positively focused physically and mentally, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be fine. Um, of course, there, you know, you, f- you feel lost, you feel, you feel a draw to do something that you've done in the past that you enjoy. Of, of course, of course we do. And if it comes back in, in the way, in the way that it should, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get fucking tested and swabbed and, you know, metal detected and turned upside down and put through a, a you know, torture chamber to go see a, a show. Um, sure. But but if, if any of that stuff comes back the way that it could, um, of course, I'll go participate again. I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to remove stuff that doesn't require removal because I was able to remove it safely. I'm just going to re-add it with the same context that it was in there in the first place, which is it's a piece of the puzzle, but it's not the entire puzzle. Sure. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the the way that I'll go about it, too. I mean, there was a lot of times that I was running and gunning. Uh, Sturgill Simpson and Tyler had a Tyler Childers. They had a, a series of shows last year and I was, you know, Georgia, Tennessee, Virginia <laughs> Beach and so on. And so and it, it was great and it was fun. And I was with people that I loved and cared about. And I was meeting people that I loved and cared about. And there was an aspect of that beauty that made it great, but there was also an aspect of it that was like, 
man, I got to go here tonight or I've got, you know what I mean? It, it was yeah. laborious in its, in its joy and pleasure. So I might, if it comes back around, like you said, I'm not going to jump through hoops to go do any of this stuff. I mean, I love live music and I can support musicians in a, in a variety of ways. Um, I just don't want to have to jump through hoops to enjoy my life. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I need to probably, instead of seeing them nine or 10 times, see them three or four and really make those three or four things important and special and take, don't take it for granted that you've got seven more shows. You know what I mean? I think there's something that's lost there too. Uh, at least, at least for me, it becomes kind of the grind rather than the release. I, I, I do know. And then as, as soon as that started feeling like that for me, like when, when hardcore started changing for me, um, it wasn't my enjoyment of it or anything like that. It was just, you know, the, the, the music and the people in the scene and things like that had started taking a turn that I really didn't quite understand. And it never became any less important to me. And I would still go to things that I cared about and travel as far as I needed to, to see them. But, but in the same, in the same vein, I wouldn't make it this, you know, all inclusive priority to go see something that I wasn't super invested in because it, it became very clear that the way the scene was turning, they weren't, they weren't nearly as invested in me. And, and what I see moving forward now is, is there's going to be a subversive element to, to how this stuff comes back. And for me, that'll dictate what I do and what I don't do. Um, I, I'm not interested in, in, in going to watch, you know, government sanctioned hardcore punk shows. You know, that's, that's, uh, that just, that's just, um, I, I mean, it's a bit, bit of an oxymoron. Right? Yeah. I mean, regardless <laughs> of how you phrase it and spin it, what it boils down to is the fact that that's the antithesis of everything that that platform has ever been against. Um, do you think, do you think there will be a resurgence of, and, and I don't want to point the finger as like, these people are posers, but there is an industry of hardcore. There is an industry of punk. Do you think there will be a new generation of punk, like by your definition or by your emotional connection to what that word means or hardcore by people doing it the old way, like meeting up in a, in a junkyard and throwing a show or, you know, it's, you know, like just the, the real deep underground stuff again. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's sneakily happening already. And, and, and it's really interesting too, because I think some of the music that gets written out of this thing, um, might be truly incredible because, because I think for a while, part of what was happening with hardcore is no one had anything to really fight about or write about. And so when, when that becomes the case, what you end up getting is like falsified tough guys writing about shit they've never seen in places they've never been. You know, it's like, you're essentially, you're you're essentially like LARPing loud, angry music. And, and so I think an aftermath of this thing could be some really excellent conceptual music again. And then as far as shows go, um, it, it is, it has already started kind of, you know, um, happening in, in a sneaky kind of way. And there's been a lot of acrimony around it. P- people, people have been really kind of getting under their skin about the people that are putting on the shows and, you know, for, for every, every single different reason, P- people that were overlooking and, and trying to make problems were, were trying to find the permits that they got to see if they lied on the permits to see about all this other stuff. And, in my mind, I was just thinking, well, um, while I understand what they're doing, um, one, a phrase that's overused these days, but is still really important, stay in your lane. And if someone has enjoyed something, you don't happen to enjoy it, then just don't enjoy it. You don't have to try and fucking ruin it for them. And 
Then the flip side is I think about what I went into when I would try and book shows when we were kids. And that's that's how hardcore happened. You know, there wasn't there wasn't places with two open front doors um, waiting for weird teenagers to come in and bring hundreds of kids in that were going to smash into each other and scream about hating things for a while. That yeah. that's that. that So, I mean, when, when we would go to book a hall or we even we, we would even go to book an established venue. I can't think back to a time where I didn't have to lie to a point that was probably almost unbelievable to get in the door. <laughs> and, and, and realistically, that's how, that's just how it worked, you know, in, yeah. until, I mean, and, until I don't even know, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to say until when, but definitely like all of the nineties, um, definitely the very, the very, very late eighties when I first started getting into things like that and going to see them, that's how the people that I was looking at as my role models there were doing it. I mean, we would book enunciation halls and we would have to tell them that it was like a fundraiser for the boy Scouts, you know, like I would, I would, I would book a club and tell people and and tell them that that it was a benefit for the environment and that we were going to have a hundred person cap. And that, you know, I mean, it's just the, the insane things that we had to go through to get these venues to even do what we were trying to do. Um, and then, of course, once they see it shake out, then sometimes they get angry. And, and I have a whole other litany of stories about how people reacted to me with that stuff. Um, but 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 that but that's how it works, you know. So so the fact that people are trying to get it back down there now and essentially, you know, get get their platform back, get their voices back um, and bring this thing back that they love. I have supreme respect for that. And and, and pe- the people that are trying to upturn the apple cart on that. Um, while I can understand that the government indoctrination right now is thick and heavy, uh, if you're if you're a part of an underground scene or you you, you claim that you're 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 an advocate of counterculture and and you're sneakily trying to undermine that stuff or you're on the internet talking badly about them, man, you you you're just not that, you know. Yeah. Um. At, at this point right now, there's there's a necessity to critical thinking that leads to critical action. Um, if, if, if all we do is sit around and say, wow, this is really messed up. Um, I mean, what, what's, what's going to happen? Nothing, nothing's going to happen. Um, everyone knows it's messed up. We're, we're being, in my opinion, very, very well controlled into sitting around and thinking about it and not doing much else. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think that's, that's where I find myself is like, analyzing all of the things that need to be done that could be done could possibly be you know acted upon in the wrong direction because we just don't know and there's a paralyzing fear in that um not so much that it just completely consumes me but it's like well shit i don't know what to do so like you said i don't do anything you know and I, i resort back to my own personal you know, the circle or the bubble that I can impact directly. And I think that's a valuable thing to do. But at some point, if things, you know, and I I don't want to get too like heavy or conspiratorial here, but let's say things go just a few degrees darker, um, a few degrees deeper, somebody's going to have to do something somewhere. Yeah. And and, and that's what's really, I mean, we were talking about the gas stuff. We were talking about a few other things that are just, they're just kind of like starting to simmer a little bit. And if they get into a full blown boil, man, the, the foundation could really come undone quickly uh, of what's been holding this thing together because there, there's like, there seems to be a spectrum of people, you know, people that are 
that I would consider very highly aware, highly questioning, highly active, you know, are ready to be activated. Uh, there are people who are just indifferent. They, they don't really care. They don't want to question anything. They just want to do their jobs. They just want to have their two weeks vacation every year. They yep. just want to go about life. And, and listen, I'm not pointing the finger or saying anyone is wrong. There is a side of the problem where I think it is just completely compliant, no questioning, no asking. Like you, you hear a bunch of numbers, you hear a bunch of facts, you hear a bunch of stats. And at some point, if you lay them down, like if you had a, a microfish and you were to lay these layers of, of statistics or data analysis on top of each other, at some point, some of it starts to smell pretty foul. Um, some of it might be true. Some of it might be true. But the thing is, I wonder what what allows people to get to a state of mind where they don't question any of it. That's the only one in the spectrum that I really point at, like, what yeah. the hell's going on here? You know, I mean, we've 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 talked before about about almost like a romanticizing of of a quote unquote simpler life. Mm-hmm. And w- while while we both clearly land on the fact that that's not for us. I told, I totally understand that. I mean, if, if, if people's goal was to just be really baseline, happy, go on vacation a little bit, have a little bit of money in the bank and, and all this stuff. And now, now that a lot of that's been taken off the table, um, it would be really easy to be overwhelmed with, with data, both, both, both sides of the data. I mean, the, the, the stuff that we're being lied to about, and then those that are trying to undermine the lies, they both come out so hard that if, if you really actually look at it all, it kind of cancels each other out. And you kind of just have to be like, I got to do what I feel is right. I got to do what's right for my family and my friends and those people I care about, because clearly someone is lying to us. And and a lot of times it's really hard to know who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that I don't believe that our government is 100% full on systematically assassinating strength. I, I do believe that. And, and I've thought a lot about that exact phrasing even since the beginning of, of last year, when we started having trouble with with hate groups attacking us and everything like that, it, it never made any sense to me. And and one of the only things that I would say is, quote unquote, helpful about the past year is that now I understand why that was happening. Um, others of my friends had been attacked that had that, that had a similar no reason to be um some of the things that people were doing and saying to each other that were so flagrant and unfounded. It's, it's really that strength in any form it's found has been attacked for the last 14, 15 months, even longer in some cases. And it's, it's been, it's been physical, it's been financial, it's been interpersonal. And and really what it I think is engineered to do is get people to just be overwhelmed, sit home, head in their hands and wait for their next orders. And, you know, n- now how hard played everything is going up to the up until the point, And I, I don't really want to make it about this, but up until the point that someone today sent me a, a, a CNN piece about the fact that these, you know, pay pay transit fucking Uber and stuff are going to be giving out free rides to 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 vaccinations. I mean, there there is some seriously sneaky movie shit going on and and. What it really is, is strength of identity is being stripped from us. Mm-hmm. And when you start taking that away from people, how do you how do you expect them to react? I mean, even even if you have a very strong identity, if if you haven't been through the ringer a few times 
and the last 12 or 14 months is your first exposure to being put through the ringer. I, I mean, that's gotta be just terrifying. You know, it's got, it's gotta be just, it's, it's gotta be like just ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, something to, to mention about those right there to kind of detail. So somebody's not sitting here judging what you're saying or what I'm saying is like full blown, you know, the, the corruption government conspiracy. Like I, I, I want to remove the conspiracy aspect of it. I just want to kind of share my thoughts on the Uber thing. Right. So as you mentioned, they're doing this new program to tax people to or taxi people to the the vaccine. Fine, whatever. If that's a service that people want, that's fantastic. If they want to get the vaccine, fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's not free because no corporation is going to do this kind of thing from the goodness of their hearts. They're going to get a tax break. They're going to get paid on the back end by taxpayer dollars. There's going to be some benefit to these companies for doing this. So let's not call it free. Yeah, let's it, understand, and let's understand too the large element of people who would who would go about using a free service like this are already receiving free po- protocols, most likely in other formats, whether that's disability, whether that's unemployment, so on and so forth. I get that there are a lot of innocent people out there that are in those situations. There is also a tremendous amount of abuse in those situations. I live in Kentucky, and, you know, and I know it's rampant everywhere, but I see these things. So when I hear this stuff, my immediate thought is, what's the angle? What's the rub? Obviously, they want to get more people vaccinated. Somebody's profiting there. These Ubers and Lyfts, they're going to profit some way or another. But the other side of the coin, like you said, this is going on amidst a gas crisis. Yeah, sure. I mean, So why not encourage people? I mean, God forbid they ride a bicycle, a skateboard, or walk themselves to a clinic. You sure. know, I mean, why would we, why would these, but these, those aspects, that's where it gets a bit conspiratorial for me. When I look at the, the reasoning behind things, it's profit, profit, profit. But when it's like, it's all driven in that direction and not one person is like, Hey, get dual benefit, get outside where COVID is nearly impossible to live in, in the presence of oxygen and sunlight, get some sunlight for yourself, get some oxygen for yourself, get some miles under those feet. You know, all of those things would be positives in the same direction, but they don't do any of that. But you, you made, you made such a great distinction there. And the word that I should have used was subsidized rides to the vaccination sites. Yeah. Um, of course, not, nothing is free. It's all underwritten. A company, a company like that, or a company like any of those other companies, they're not, they're not doing that out of the kindness of their fucking hearts. Right. And, and to your other point, which is also excellent. Something I noticed the other day is, is uh, in Rochester here, they had these, you know, pay, pay to pay to rent bikes all over the city. They set up these these stations where they would have five or ten bikes. Um, you could put a dollar in or use a use a, a card or scan one of those little boxes or something and, and take this bike. There was a lot of problems with it. This is a weird city and people are abusive. Um, but I, I've thought so strangely that what a perfect time for that to be in play. You know, in, encourage people to get outside and move and just do something where, again, it's subsidized. The city's help subsidizing these these essentially nearly free bikes, but they're subsidizing something that could actually improve people's health, actually improves, improve people's interpersonal relations, um, save them a little bit of money. All, all the stuff that 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 now it appears is truly just being undermined could could actually be improved with with things that they have 
intentionally taken off the table. And and again, so I, I and I agree with you that that's where it kind of gets a little bit sneaky sounding to me is if they wanted people strong and upright and ready to fight back against whatever's coming, um, th- that's one thing. But I, I really, really, I, on, a per- on a very personal level, I don't think that's what our government wants for us right now. I think they hate us right now. Yeah. And they well, want us well, weak. They want us weak. Um, and and that's, re- that's really discouraging. I've never been a, I've never been like a, you know, like, like a pro government guy. It's, it's just not my cup of tea at all. But I, I definitely had always been under the naive assumption that that they didn't actively hate us. Yeah. Well, and that's I, I agree. And what's really strange about this conversation, exactly the words weakness versus strength. Um, Logan Hanks and I were talking about this very thing this morning was that was the aspect that strong people are harder to control and. You know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that was the one of the things that he did reference was like, when is it ever a flaw to think more more diversely? When is it ever a problem to think through more questions? When is it ever a problem to go to the gym and become stronger? And we were actually talking about it. Uh, it originated in the context uh, of jujitsu. You know, you have two equal uh, athletes that know skill at the same level. You know as well as I do, the one who is stronger is going to overtake that. You know, um, yep. unless unless someone can outpatience their strength, you know, but strength is very, very seldom. And to still Mark Bell's line, strength is, I won't say never a weakness, because in something like jujitsu, you can you can go too hard and, and have that used against you. But for the most part, overwhelmingly, strength is never a weakness. And I think that really that that is one of the, the aspects of I mean, when you really start to ask these questions, why were gyms closed down? Like, why were outdoor parks closed down? Why were these areas where people could go and exercise and benefit themselves from a health standpoint, from a strength standpoint, why did those seemingly become targeted? You know, and and not not to reopen that that whole rabbit hole, but my God, it's like if people can't see that health is not of the concern, because health is free. Health is just around the corner. It's it's taking a walk. It's getting outside. It's getting sunlight. It's breathing fresh air. It's choosing vegetables and meats and, you know, whole foods over processed foods. You know, they don't. You know, and, and the other thing is it, all, it also it also always provides um, a context and a platform for discussion and critical thinking. And I think outside of just the physical aspects of strength. Removing that has been such an intense goal of whatever the hell is going on right now. And it's been very effective in that. Um, we, we've seen in our place that that being able to being able to have that available for people has has kept them very mentally strong and very mentally sharp and, and durable throughout throughout this. And that's not something that I would trade for anything and that I was willing to fight for in any way that we needed to. And and I and I still feel that way. The physical side of things is is crucial, but but the the interpersonal side of things um, that that uh, invokes thought and gives, I guess, like a camaraderie to some of this misery is is just as important, if not more important. Um, so to, so to what to what Logan said, of course. I mean, that's that's there's there is no time when those things are negative. Um, unless what you're trying to do is, is keep people down. (laughs) Well, and I I think it's, 
it's problematic to me when you have a lot of people talking about this, like average Joe people are like, Hey, what about health? What about getting healthy? What about losing weight? And just politically it's void of any conversation. You know, it's just not, it's just not on the agenda. And I, and that's, a, and that's a buzzword too, like agenda narrative. I hate using those things because people tend to dismiss because it's just overused and regurgitated so much, but it really is. If you, if you just clearly deny something that people everywhere are talking about, people everywhere are questioning, there has to be an angle on it. Of course, of course. And, and you're right. Some, some, some words are overused, but sometimes it's just because they don't have a proper compliment or supplement. Um, I, I, I always, I always try and use less usual words to elicit a different response from people, but never, never for the, never, uh, never for the sake of anything other than catching someone's attention and never in, if it creates disclarity, I use the most basic word. You know, if, if the best way to describe milk is milk, well then it's going to be milk. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. And, and I think, I, I think another, and maybe, maybe after this we transition, but, but really something I'm seeing more lately than ever. And, and something that I've mentioned a few times is, is that what, what we, what we are doing now, what we do now, you know, go- governs and informs, insulates what we can do when it's not now. And it, it so people putting their entire life on this holding pattern, waiting for some dam to break, whether it be physically or financially or interpersonally, it, it it's. I, I believe that that's the beginning of the end. That that's going to create more problems than it's going to solve. And w- when when I think about what is the most important, it's really impossible to identify right now because we really don't know what's going on. But what I do know is that nothing nothing is irrelevant. And what people have done and said or not done and said, that is now a fact. That is, that is now something you have done or not done. And not to miss those opportunities because we, we really don't know, we really don't know what's happening next. So if, if there's a better foot to put forward, um, I, I would just encourage people to to put it forward, even if it doesn't feel comfortable right now, or even even if it seems like it's going to stir up some dust. Because, I mean, as as we both know, also the 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 import the important choices don't happen when it's easy, and the the better times that we're looking for aren't aren't built with the easy decisions, and and they're they're definitely not built with with non action. I mean, you, you, you think about if, if both of us in our biggest stumbling block points had been like, well, you know, that was fun and all, but fuck this shit. I'm just going to sit on the couch. We, we would 100 percent certainly not be having this conversation and we would both be shells of the men that we are now. And we would have also not had the ability to reach and, and help and, and really benefit from knowing a lot of these people that we know. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that was kind of long-winded, but but really, what what it, what it boils down to for me is is I, I see a lot of people in this weird holding pattern. Someone the other day that left the gym, um, uh, said said it's because he wants to take some time for himself, mm-hmm. and um, man, that really stuck with me in kind of a fussy, negative way, um, because the reality is, when I think about time for myself, I think about mindful physical improvement amongst people that actually care 
and know what they're doing and are striving for the same goal as pretty much the superlative time for myself that I could ever take. Um, and so I guess, I guess that's just really the, the, the short story of it for me is if there's a chance to do something better instead of do less, uh, right now is the time to take it because we don't know what's coming up. Well, for certain. And I think that, you know, there's a couple of things that I want to get to in this conversation, but something you said again, tied into a part of the conversation that Logan and I had, which I find very interesting because as far as spectrums of peoples and backgrounds and whatnot, you, you two are both extremely different. Uh, but to, to have similar conversations and themes, it, it really tells me that like-minded people or people who are self-driven, self-aware, um, and paying attention are all thinking these things at some level, you know, these, these aren't just conversations that I'm having with you. It, it seems like they're starting to grow. You know, the more people I'm talking to in my circle, I'm starting to hear these themes pop up. Uh, well, I can't wait more. to meet him also. <laughs> oh, he's, he's a great guy, man. And on that note, this, this quote, and we've talked about it a little bit in the past this from fight club. And it, it brings me to a topic that I wanted to cover with you because I think there's a lot of people out there that are looking for direction, that are looking for guidance and hope. And what I don't want to try to do is is point the finger and tell you, yes, this person or no, this person. But there are there are archetypes out there that I think are kind of wolves in sheep's clothing. And uh, the quote is, is from Chuck Palahniuk and Fight Club. We're the middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war, no great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our great depression is our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. And we're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. And I think what that opens up for me as far as a conversation piece, <clears throat> we don't have the great war in the sense that there's no ticker tape parade. Um, there's no place where we can where we're called to go. You know, there's no war where we're being drafted and called and serving this, this entity that is a government that seemingly um, got our backs. You know, it was a different time and a different feel then, but the great depression, I think largely for people is, is their lives. It's the taxation uh, of time and stress on their lives. And what it's breeding is, is a, is a ground where generally weak people um, can take an opinion, take a strong opinion or a strong side and draw into that vacuum of viewership and following and influence and really, really misdirect people on what it's all about. How much of this have you seen really expand during COVID and, and what's your take on it? Like I just kind of have a smell test. Uh, I, I trust. And, and part of my job for Sornex people ask me this all the time beyond the stuff that I do in regards to the podcast and talking to people about the equipment, a lot of my job is networking and, and kind of vetting people based on experience, things that I feel, things that I sense. And man, I sense a lot of bullshit out there. A lot of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a couple of great quotes about, um, you know, not expecting the crops if you don't want to weather the storms. And and I'm not going to butcher anybody trying to get it there exactly, but I, I agree completely. And um, 
to that fight club quote, man, I mean, I think anyone with any sort of independent or critical mind, the first time they heard that, uh, remember it for the rest of their lives. And it, 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 it's, it's true in the sense that, that we don't have a particular destination for, for our war, but it's, in, I mean, especially, I guess, how I grew up and the things that I've been involved with, it, it's it's felt like it's constant and forever because it's not necessarily an, an inter-country, intercultural type of thing. And, you know, it, it's been it's been shown in the last year that the critical thinkers and the independent minds are the ones that are at least most likely to survive. But yeah. but the, but the strong the strong on the other side, strong in quotes on the other side, are those that command a giant digital presence and those that will that will say anything about anyone to get what they want. That's that's um, I don't consider that power, uh, but but it is definitely like a, a new a new type of sneaky control mechanism that I really don't know how far it can go because I never thought it would get this far in the first place. Um, and so, so, yeah. to, so to, to what you're, to what you're referring to, um, there, there are, in my opinion, there are a lot of people with really loud mouths and really giant bank accounts and all respect to them for making money and being comfortable and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time too, berating people into feeling like they're not doing enough or, falsely aligning them with something that they're not truly actually doing are equally dangerous. And I'm just really not interested in seeing it or hearing it, especially when most people do not have the luxury of gigantic amounts of disposable cash right now. Um, most, sure. most, most people that have any sort of small or independent business have been, have been kicked every single place that they could could have been in the last in the last year and a half and if they're still if they still exist oftentimes it's on fumes and i can relate to that because i'm in that i'm in that very situation so, so sometimes the 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 self-deprecating uh, from others is more dangerous than like a false sense of security even because both of them are going to rally people to want to fight, but it's only going to rally them for a minute. And so yeah. you you can wear whatever you want. You can get people to say they're whatever animal they want versus whatever other animal they want. Or you can make someone feel like they're 10 steps ahead of the curve because they simply got up for one day and didn't order food from McDonald's via food drop off services. <laughs> but, but the reality is it's, it's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a sustainable systematic change in your identity formation that is going to be what gets people through this in a way that, that allows them to move forward. Um, and, and I think with, with regards to people who are trying to force their agendas onto us that don't really have any position in leadership outside of having money and, and a digital influence, I would say watch out for those people because they're almost as dangerous as the people that are trying to trick us in the first place. Um, yeah, I, I view them, <clears throat> I view them kind of like as, uh, you know, you know, those uh, revival tent preachers, you know, they're there to juice you up, make you feel really good and then take your money uh, in whatever means that is like, whether that's a, an ongoing 
enrollment to the to the cool kids club or you know um the the newest shirt that's dropping or the newest hat that's dropping and it's like a week by week process and you can just start to see in the same way that you can see a puppy mill you know the same guy selling uh, beagle dogs or german shepherds every month probably not a healthy sustainable thing just like what you're talking about as far as these people that pop up they're really really loud they're really really brash um, they're divisive they don't do anything like when when asked a question the, the biggest problem that i have with these idiots is that when they're asked a question it's like oh i'm better than you i've got more money than you i'm more successful than you shut up don't ask questions that's you right know, re- rather than being willing to you know put their ego aside and actually come to the level of answering a question or being at least decent or if that type of question comes through 50 times a day hell make a video and talk about it you know there's yeah. ways around, there's ways to vet people if you're just willing to dig past the fervor of 10,000 likes and 100 100 million followers or a million follows or whatever i think people get drawn into that because it's like like i said it's the cool kids club it's where other people are going and more and more and more and more myself personally there's still people with large followings that i find interesting that i follow but more and more are the guys in the weeds that they don't have time to have a professional fucking media team following them <laughs> around like a circus. Um, and again, no disrespect to anybody that's on that level, like props to you for, for getting there. But at some point, I think that kind of like what we were talking about with punk and hardcore, there were people that bled for this thing. There are people that have like got years and years and years of face in front of student face in front of uh, classes face in, faces in front of athletes who don't have the time to write 50 articles a week who don't have a time to make documentaries about how awesome they are who don't have a who don't have time to manage a print shop for shirts and, and memorabilia most of the time they're just really fucking great at coaching people and we're losing so many valuable people because we do not give respect to the power of knowledge. We give respect. And I say in quotations, respect with our likes, with our follows, with our shares to people of influence. It's the same 10 people. You know, it's, it's not like there's only 10 comedians in the world and they, they exist just because they're Joe Rogan's friends. I've seen some fucking hilarious bottom feeder comedians at some of these local clubs here. Same thing and everything else. Some people just don't get the breaks to get their face out there. Doesn't diminish that you have tremendous knowledge. Uh, a guy like, you know, I mean, I can name 10 other coaches that have really, really deeply vetted knowledge. Uh, Bill Gillespie was somebody I was talking to you about. Yeah, uh, yeah. Years and years and years. Yeah, 30 years he's been refining this program that he's only incrementally, like, let leak from from the tap. <laughs> yeah, and it's incredible. It's incredible. Fascinating. How many how many people are out there rushing to the Bill Gillespie seminars or rushing to the Bill Gillespie handbook or whatever it is? You know, not well, many because he's not he's not been able out there to, to pump himself up into something that he's not like. That's where I draw the line. If I see somebody that has it all, I start asking, OK, when did the drive become money? Because like yourself, this is a conversation that we have. You can't sacrifice your class time. You could probably make more money if you just shifted to morning classes or evening classes and spent the rest of your day refining other business aspects. 
you're well, a coach. You know well, what man, I mean? <laughs> even, even just to quickly address that, I, I could be making a, an actually suitable adult living if I would just allow myself to shill the way that I'm abil- the way that I'm able to narrate things in quote unquote private online training. Because I know a lot of people who are extremely ham fisted and really don't know what they're doing that are making a significant amount of money doing exactly that. Yeah. Um, but 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 you know and and I think two two other important things to think about is is most people that look at anything know this 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 digital de-evolution kind of cesspool that we're in right now almost deprioritizes quality in favor of quantity and very simply even at a base level does not does not reward quantity or does not reward quality with quantity it almost does the opposite um the, the the sharper the harder the more direct information you put out the more susceptible it is to getting squashed the more susceptible it is to getting overlooked anything that's more than you know six words and doesn't have a picture of an exact thing with an exact thing gets pushed to the bottom of, of the food chain. And, it, you know, j- just also to make a distinction, because I know this is where you are too, is is that this is not a conversation, um, you know, pissing on free enterprise or pissing on uh, someone's ability to grow their business. It, it's, it, it's, it's actually in, in a lot of senses, a celebration of the fact that are that the, there are people out there that are really really good at what they're doing that should be celebrated that aren't because people's barometer for quality has changed so much as quantity has become the main mover and yeah. that that's that's what's so sick really to me is that when when you look at something as someone of of knowledge in a certain field if you look at something and you're like wow <laughs> that just really actually sucks. Um, and, and not even like I may think it sucks. It's not my cup of tea, but like this is factually bad and it still gets heralded. And, you know, it, there's 600, you know, truth bomb fucking comments and boom fire and all this fucking bullshit. And <laughs> it, 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 there, no thought has gone into the comment, but just as much thought has gone into the comment as went into the content. Yeah. And that's that's what's fascinating to me is is that I've I've always sought the things that were better because they could show me that they were better. I don't care if you tell me that it's better. Show me it's better. If it isn't better, you won't be able to show me. You'll still be able to tell me. For for damn sure. And, and, that, and that's, like <laughs> Well, like think about some of the tapes that you have. Like they're not high quality but it was, it was the message you wanted to hear. So you were, you would take a shitty live recording of a, of a punk or a hardcore show because it captured what it really was. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I've always, I think I've that always the, joked that I've always joked that, that the biggest gift of being deaf in my left ear is that most of the music I listen to is poorly recorded anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, but the, that's the thing about it, man. It's like, you know, it's a lot different. And I'll speak on Louie for a second, right? Here's a guy that was, that was proving it in the trenches. And then along the way, a couple of guys that trained there had some media savvy and they started to tell his story and it became their story. And then he, he realized that he needed to tell his own version of that story. And, you know, different entities were created around those things, but it took time. What really gets to me is when these people have success at one level like you you make a million dollars 
that's that's phenomenal. But do you really deserve to make a book called How to Make a Million Dollars if you've only made one? Like if you if you've only proven your system right once. That's kind of like me with the cube method. It worked wonderfully until it went catastrophically wrong. And the catastrophic failure is what made me realize there needed to be adaptations made. Just like somebody who's only made a million dollars, they might not have had any pitfalls yet. They might not have invested in a bad business and figured out how to claw themselves out of it. So I tend to look at people, like you said, when I'm, when I'm looking at these pages, what gives them pers- this person this credibility? What have they actually done? Who have they actually led? And what is the result of that? Like, what is the outcome of this person's existence in their field? Like John Donner, I know you listen to the, the podcast with Lex Friedman. Yeah, absolutely fantastic fucking that was a great conversation for a lot of reasons but john uh there's there's no doubt that what this guy puts out is quality and you don't need to listen to maybe more than 10 or 15 minutes to realize the guy's grasp of his knowledge base is tremendous and he can answer any question and there is no stupid question those types of characteristics are what separate a caliber of individual like him from some of these phonies when they don't want questions, when they don't want challenge, when they don't want conversation because the holes start to show pretty quickly. That's when I start, I stop paying attention. Um, one, one, I agree completely. And one, one thing, not that, not that John Donahue needs a pat on the back for me, but ability to articulate high quality information is, is as rare, if not rarer than the possession of high quality information. So the fact that he combines both is extremely unique to me and, and, um, and, and really, really, it's something that I strive for and I'll always continue to strive for forever. Um, thanks to, thanks to Nathan from our place for sending me that, that podcast to listen to. Um, but one of, one of my least favorite responses and, and, a, um, a, a, a response that will get me to immediately not look at what anyone else is doing further is when someone asks a question or a few people that ask the same question or someone asks a question and others say, yeah, I'm curious about that too. If someone's response is I get paid $1,500 an hour to answer questions like this, um, I will truly never look at anything you're doing again. And you have just lost someone that very well may be your intended demographic um, by being a total douche to people that are actually curious about your shitty fucking information. <laughs> so yes. um, for, for, for me, there, there are a couple kind of deal breakers and it's when someone already has money, tells you about it so much that it's not fun to listen to. And then when someone asks a legitimate, honest question about that, um, it is not answered because they should be charged money to receive the answer. You're, you're then the government. And yeah. there's just no interest. There's just no interest in that to me. You know, of, of course, everyone's time is valuable. And, and I don't think that anyone in the world should sit around and do a bunch of stuff for free for people they don't know. Uh, however, it's mostly what I think my job description is. <laughs> I was going uh, to say, you're but, the best but, at it, man. <laughs> but 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 but, the, but the, the reality is approaching it like that is such a progress deterrent for your audience. And what is often forgotten about, too, is that our audiences big, small, anywhere in the middle are, are how our message gets out there. You know, even the idea of self-made is, is in, in it really in my mind, not, not a genuine way to put it because realistically I've been doing lots of weird business shit for a long, long time. 
but none of it would have gone anywhere if when I lied to rent the Annunciation Hall to book integrity in 1990, whatever, no one showed up, you know, or when, when we ran a BMX contest that we shouldn't have run in a place that didn't have any zoning or whatever the case is, it, it would have just been me standing there with a microphone and an iPad if no one showed up, you know? Right. And, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's people have, people have an ego about their success because they think that they did it all themselves. And it really gets lost in the shuffle that, you know, without the people at the party, you're just standing there in your pajamas by yourself. Yeah, man. And and something else that I really, to kind of tie off on that party note, and then I want to switch to something about attendance and positive shit, like positive messaging. Um, I think I've spoken to you about this before, but Maurice Claret, who's Ohio State football player, he challenged the NFL's right to uh, enter the draft early at 19 because they have the 21 as a minimum age requirement. So anyhow, um, he was like, yeah, man, I was a, I was the king of the castle. I was invited to all the parties. I would show up. It was billionaires and millionaires and fly girls and drugs and party, like just everything. He's like, but when I would host the party, nobody would come. He said, realize what kind of person you are. Are you the person that hosts the party or are you the person that goes to the party and hope you're everybody's friend? You know, and that's two different calibers of people. And there's two different types of parties. There's ones where it's your friends, families, the people that you care about and that you love or that are invested in you. And it's places to go be seen. And he said, I was only investing people that, that wanted to be seen with me, not that gave a shit about me. Oof, man. I mean, talk about food for thought, because anyone that's ever done anything has been on both sides of that equation. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's really just a matter of tipping the scale as far to one side as you as you humanly possibly can. Yeah, man. Well, speaking of of, speaking of tipping the scale in in terms of positive, we've got a couple of couple of events that we're going to be crossing paths at. Number one, um, next week, we got Summer Strong at Sornex. We didn't have it last year. I really do expect this year to be something special. I was talking to uh, to Bert this morning, and then I was talking to a couple other people about it. And as much as excitement as there is, I almost think there's like a nervous anticipation uh, of what it's going to be now. Because when th- things are, you know, there's continuity to things and there's consistency, I think the evolutions are, are, are micro. You know, you might change the setting, you might change the posters on the wall, but the 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 direction of the event stays somewhat the same, but we've had two years to think and contemplate and look at this. And I know that internally Sornex has got some new visions mm-hmm. on some projects uh, going forward, really about how we view coaches and coaching as an industry. So there's going to be changes. There's going to be something different and something special that is unexpected. And I'm excited for you to be there. I'm excited for you to see that be a part of that, but this year is going to be really special. Um, what are What are your initial thoughts having never been there before what do you feel about coming down uh, I'm, I'm excited i mean if if nothing else i would drive to north carolina to hang out with you you know and yeah. and and so in in that sense um I, i'm i'm excited about it i i know there's i know there's some people going that that know us well um and that i've either met just a few times or never met but if I have seen them and met them it's it's been many years i'm excited about that and and realistically i i I hunt things that I don't totally understand. And so 
I can, I can very clearly say that that is something that I don't totally understand. Mm-hmm. And so at, at that level, I'm, ext- I'm, I'm extremely excited uh, on, on a personal level too. I'm also excited to see you just get to kind of work in your environment. Like that's, that's important to me too. Like we've been, we've known each other for a minute, but not very long still. And, and it, it, watching people work in, in their natural habitats is something that I, I, I really enjoy and, and respect. So in, in that sense, I'm looking really forward to it. All, all my all my physical practice up to then is to make sure that I'm as, as unbanged up as possible so that I can <laughs> at, least, at least at least play the way I want to and, and try and help some people with some stuff they may not have seen. And I'm just yeah. excited. I'm excited about it. I can't wait. And I, and I sincerely appreciate your help with it. Well, man, it's it's I look forward to it because it's one of those deals. There's a there's a coach. I mean, just a couple of years ago. I met Terrence very much unbeknownst to me. I, I knew who he was a little bit. I knew his presence online being shared by Rudy and David Wood and a couple other guys like that. Um, but I didn't really know him. Lo and behold, I end up working with him. Lo and behold, he becomes a very, very dear friend to me. So that's kind of where I see or my hope for you is, is that you get exposed to some people that have never seen your work, never heard of you. Uh, you got You get to connect and network with other coaches that are actually doing really great things at their own pace at their own level in their own part of the world and it just i hope it opens doors for you i hope it opens eyes to other people about you. um and and really that's my ultimate takeaway for anybody that comes to summer strong is to be exposed to new ideas be exposed to new people and be exposed to nothing but positive support and over and over and over that's that's the kind of feedback that i hear super stoked on that but from a personal level maybe on the same level of appreciation of getting to see you work that was one of my favorite parts about coming up to rochester <laughs> and actually watching the way you run your classes watching the way that um, you, you you really operate things and man it's it's something that i don't think i've adequately adequately done a good job of expressing how impressive it is i mean i've walked into college work weight rooms i've walked into professional weight rooms i've walked into a variety of private gyms and i felt completely different in yours than any of those and i mean some of those places are fantastic places in their own right but there was a feel there was a vibe there was an intention in all of your athletes and it and it's an extension of you and it was like it was just great to see the way that it all came together, the way that you lead things, the way that you instruct things, the expectations that you hold them. Um, you've just got a really, really nailed down process. And on full coming up in June, you've got convergence. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, very, I'm very, very excited to be there to, to see that. If anybody is listening to this and they don't know what we're talking about, there's information out there. If you're on the fence, I will probably put my stamp of approval on what I saw. I've never been to a convergence, but what I saw in just a few days there um, has carried over. And, and my training has diversified. My training has intensified since being there and seeing the speed and the pace and the way that Greg works things. I can't highly recommend it enough from that aspect, but you know more about it. You've, you've been through it. you designed it. What does convergence look like for you, man? I, I mean, I just to circle back to what you what you said about watching our people. Um, that's just that's just the most supreme compliment that I could possibly get. Um, 
you know, honestly, and not, not to be like martyry about it, but none of this is about me. So you, you coming up here and seeing that and being able to feel that um, is, is significant. And with, with Convergence, we never, we never wanted a, we never wanted a, a paid for certification type thing, but we wanted people to have access to our process and how we dissect things. So this is our, I don't know, fifth one, I believe. Um, something like that. And each year it's been a little bit different, but very consonant. This year, we're just going to frame the information differently. We're going to take each pattern. We're going to go through the primary, secondary, and accessory accessory movements that we use to optimize each pattern. And then we're going to go over the fact that we optimize patterns and positions differently, and in my opinion, better than anywhere in the world. And the, the, the way that I think that that happens the clearest is with the details and um, I guess conceptual changes that we've made to kettlebell and mace lifting. We, we lift, we lift barbells. Well, we lift them heavy. We lift them all the time and we insulate and improve them in ways that I've never seen before. And we've looked, uh, by adding correspondingly heavy kettlebell lifting and extremely detailed mace lifting. And, and it, it, it helps insulate people's safety it improves their performance. It improves their technical ability and their understanding of positioning. And as, as we've talked about many times too, but I don't believe it's ever not important to say is that we engineered strength and conditioning at Wolf Brigade like a martial art from day one back in, in when I was still in Long Beach at CrossFit Long Beach, but then beginning in 2008 when we came to when I came to Rochester. And it's just evolved since then. So it's, it's detail-oriented. Uh, it, it appeals very, very much to people with uh, an intellectual investment in their training and their process and uh, a physical intelligence that, that transfers into a, into a, a, a mental intelligence. Um, we, we've, we've had people come in with such limited skill sets and, and turned into absolute animals. We've had people come in that had been trained poorly for many, many years that we've retooled and sent out in, in a much better state than they arrived. Um, I mean, and, and convergence is really just a short encapsulation of that. It, it's detail oriented. Um, it's also extremely fun. And then we, we do, you know, um, goal setting at the end. We, we have people practice something that they came in with that they've made improvements on. And then we have people practice something that they came in and had never done before or hadn't done well. And we send them home with numbers on it so that we can reconvene and, and see how the progress is going. Because, because realistically, the entire purpose of Convergence is not to hear ourselves talk. It's to prove process, elicit progress. And I, I, outside of a few people that were really, truly just tourists there that I truly believe were there um, as a novelty because we're a little bit unusual, there's not a person that's ever attended that event that did not leave progress. And that that's, that's my goal forever. Um, this year, I, I, even though we did have last year and last year was tremendous. Um, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. This year is going to be something unlike anyone has any idea. Well, I, I've seen a few people, uh, I've started to get some messages from people that have, have told me that they're coming. Obviously your crew will be around and be there. Um, Man, I, it's just something I really look forward to because I left your place, um, and and not to not to even be like hesitant about it. When you and I talk, it's a lot, of, and we even speak about this openly with one another. It is very much like a therapy session. We get through a lot of the things that are very very heavy and very very dark, and 
you know, we challenge ourselves to, to think about these things and talk about these things. But, and I think that from people that don't know you or don't understand you, that's, that's a sense that they get on is because you, you are very direct about attacking and facing those things. But the positivity uh, that is that is intrinsic to what your method is because your method is progress. You know, your method is a refinement of the process to progress. And just the feeling of encouragement and positivity and community and all of those things that you hide really well about yourself. You know what I mean? Like, you, I see you as such a, I mean, overwhelmingly, like, optimistic person because you wouldn't be doing after t nearly 20 years what you're still doing if you weren't optimistic and believed in it you yeah. just see the reality of the world and i that's the one thing that i want people to understand if they're hearing this and they've looked at your stuff because I, I was guilty of it too i looked at it i didn't understand it right away so i didn't i didn't embrace it go back dig in look at the stuff read the details read the articles uh pick up greg's books i mean and this is not him asking me this is me saying because i've read the books I've, I've talked to greg i've known greg i've seen it in action it's just a system that i fully you know as much as i can sit here i'm, I'm there's a donaher video playing on the screen from where i was watching while i was eating before this and it's like as much respect as people give him in the jujitsu game having trained your methodology what basically six, seven months now since Terrence is passing um, and in different iterations of that and evolving it, my ability as a martial artist myself, but also as an athlete and as a trainer, like the little things that I share with you that seem like bragging are really just trying to keep you understanding that, man, I, I see it. I believe in it. I am invested in it because nothing in, in my life as a training system has ever been so completely detail oriented and focused to where I don't have to worry about a thing. If I do that, I'm going to get better. You know what I mean? And, and it, 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 it's, just, it's just a rare thing, man. It's just a really fucking rare thing that I want people to understand is completely badass. Uh, it, geez. I mean, it, it, first of all, it never comes across as bragging. It's always the most well-received because the, the, fo the focus group in person is incredible and it's my priority and and I, I enjoy it and I believe I believe I learn and progress as an instructor every single day uh, that I'm watching these groups and 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 leading these groups but the the remote assessments on people that I know are detailed and that I know have strength backgrounds and that I know have training backgrounds and that are that are transferring the information to other things I, I mean those those are those are the nails in the coffin. If, if we can land it remotely with even 75% of the detail that we can land it with in person, then we're 50% ahead of the curve. And th that's somewhere that I never intend to be behind. And, and I mean, when, when, when we first started talking and, and the interest, the interest organically came up of incorporating some of our stuff, I, I knew, I knew, that it would work. I only hoped it would work like it has worked. Mm -hmm. And I, I truly believe that it's going to give you another 15 years of jujitsu. And, and that to me is like, that's just the most satisfying thing because, because that's, that's also a story that we hear from enough people where it's like, there, there, there's no, there's no more luck involved. You know, it, it's, it's not a home run because someone lobbed you a soft pitch. I, I can improve the physical capability of anyone walking the earth. And 
when, when they come into our training room, it's almost easy because the detail assessments are something that at this point, we, we've just really dug deep. We've, we've really kind of dissected it. And if there's a position in someone that's stuck, um, if there's a pattern that's not working properly, if there's a corner that isn't lit, you know, if, if the model isn't a full 360 degree model, we can add something to that soup to make it one. And, and until I was much as you said about Bill Gillespie, uh, I'm not, believe me, I'm not comparing myself to Bill Gillespie, but I had not turned a lot of what we do loose until I was really a hundred percent sure that I could land it in any context ever in a full gym with full equipment in a, in a field in Virginia with 50 people and 10 water bottles and two maces made of flower pots. Uh, I mean, it does at this point, it literally doesn't matter. Give me everything, give me nothing. And people are still going to make progress. And, and, and that was, that was my Holy grail because as we talked about too, and I say it kind of jokingly, but I'm not, a, I'm not a strength. I'm not a, I've not, I was never a gym person. You know, I'm a hardcore kid. I rode BMX for my whole life. You know, I got into martial arts early on and, and from there I fell in love with, with movement and strength and, and, and capability and figuring out that there were ways to optimize strength and conditioning that, that, very respectfully, most people that came up in those fields were a little bit too pigeonholed to see um, was exciting to me. And now the fact that it's actually kind of worked um, and it's only continuing to work more and more on people I care about more and more. It, it's 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 phenomenal, man. It's phenomenal. When I, when I get when I get down on myself about a lot of other stuff, which I which I often do, um, I really often think about some of the specific people that we have in our place that that would, I mean, quite frankly, either not still be on this earth or would simply not be athletic or capable in any way, dangerous to themselves, uh, not assets to their family. And I mean, that's really all it takes, man. Um, Anyway, just I appreciate I appreciate all that sentiment and and to and to convergence directly as a bit of a sales pitch. people charge gigantic amounts of money for weekends of information with a piece of paper at the end and no real retention. We charge a tiny amount of money because we want people to come there. We don't want people to feel a gigantic financial risk of coming there. We don't want people to feel like there's some expectation to pass a test. Um, the test is showing up. And if you, if you're a trainer or an athlete or a martial artist, um, and it's within your means to get there, and you don't, in my personal opinion, you're just leaving progress on the table. I would agree. And I mean, it's one of those things, like I said, I'd read your books. I'd read a lot of your stuff on your website. I had followed your posts, done even some of the training. Getting there, put the, you know, it was kind of like putting the 3D glasses on uh, for the first time or the virtual reality glasses. I mean, it just, everything was so good before. But when you really get it firsthand, there's no better there's no better directive than that. And I mean, to see it, to feel it, to to be there, to watch your athletes do incredible things, to watch people testing out, um, to show proficiency in certain things. I mean, it's it's run in such a way that for a long time I had sworn off that I would never ever seek or want to work in a facility again. I would I would never want to be tied to that. The thing about what I saw there was I can see why you would get excited about it. I can see why you accept the challenge of it because they expect a lot of you too. 
You know, yeah, those people, yeah. those people expect a lot out of you too. Yeah. And it's, re- and it's reciprocal accountability on different yep. planes, but it's, it's, it's just something to see, man. And I hope that if you're listening to this, it's at least sparked some curiosity enough to go check out the YouTube videos on it. Uh, there's videos about it. There's some incredible training videos. There's incredible ex- expressions of strength, but I think like, uh, you know, uh, the, the 50 something, 60 year old man doing 106 pound kettlebell oh, Turkish. Yeah. Kettle. Jeez. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not even certain that I would bet my bet on myself to do that right this second, you know? Um, and then some of the things that your female athletes are doing are just incredible on, on weight to strength ratios. And like you've always said, you don't appre- you don't approach it necessarily as male strength training and female strength training because no. you do take this generalist approach. You know, there there are differences, but they're not so so much that they can't be addressed in a way that makes sense for everyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, and a lot a lot of that was super cool also because it made me think of They Live, which is also perfectly timed. (laughs) And (laughs) it's it's important to note, too, because we've we've and I've used the term athletes a lot, too, and and they are. It's important to make the distinction that most of our in-person group are really, really normal people. And some are some are like on that really far side of normal where you'd have to be like, are you kidding me right now? You know? And, and that's, that to me is what lands the hardest is as you well know, as, as, as much as anyone, you take a thoroughbred athlete, it's easy to tune 2% up out of them. Mm-hmm. And if you take someone who's totally unlikely as a mover and totally unlikely as a really, really strong progressive athlete and you turn them into one, you know, th- there's a proof to that that's different and the process is different and, and, the, and, the, and it, it really whittles down to details. And then, you know, mentioning the male versus female thing, of course there are differences, but I always think that those have been oversold as well. And I think a lot of it is in the training language, um, not even just the application. And, and that's that's also something that that I obsess over to a to a significant degree is if you're if your language is presenting something that lets everyone progress equally, then they will. And that's taking the highest level person in our room, which are some of the most phenomenal athletes I've ever seen to someone that's very, very new working right alongside them, doing very similar things with, you know, high attention to detail, different volume, different weight, different intensity, but, but concept and principle and strategy are all there in the exact same way. And, you know, just to tie it back to grappling, of of course, a a high level grappler is going to be, is going to be practicing something with a different purpose and a different level of intensity and and a slightly different stimulus, but the concepts are the same for the person that just walked in the door. And that's, that's something that always resonated with me with, with martial arts is, is that the people that were really, really good at teaching it. And then the people that were really, really invested in training it were never the ones that didn't want to work with beginners. They were the ones that celebrated working with the beginners because they realized that that's going to improve everyone in the freaking room. And it, 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 if there's one thing I'm especially proud of our place in is that even the people that have been there 10, 11 years, they are the first ones to help new people. There, there's no, there's no burdensome new people. You know, the, the, the only, the only untrainability that we've ever uh, come up on is constitutional softness. If, if, if you cannot collect yourself in the interest of being stronger and better prepared, um, that, that may be the only category of person in the world that we can't help. And outside of that, I mean, geez, we've, we've, <laughs> we've trained 
we've trained everyone. I used to say we hadn't, I, I trained everything but an amputee, but at this point I've trained that too. And it, it's, it's, there, there's a, there's takeaways from all of that that accumulates into what, into what we do now. No, nothing is overlooked. And most of the reason that it's not overlooked is because we actually value the experiences. Well, man, I can't, uh, I can't wait to see you next week. I can't wait to get up there to convergence. I can't wait to see the communities kind of collide because I think it's going to be really, really great. Um, I, I really love the aspect of my training partners in the gym. Hey, what are you doing? I see you posting this stuff. I see you talking about this stuff. So, like I said, I shared that thing that Jordan was reading about. Yeah, yeah you know. frequently asked questions. It's my finest piece of work. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the cool thing is, is, is it's like amidst all the chaos, um, I continue to find people that are asking the right questions. And then I also have people who are answering the right questions. And the more that I can lead people to you, the more people that I can lead to to other people doing awesome things and sharing awesome information. That's, that's really where I feel the most fulfilled is, is giving bits and pieces of things that have helped me to others. I know you're very much the same way. And as long as we can, I think the more that you and I can work together and share those things, it's, it's just, it's good for the both of us. It's good for our friendship, but it's also good for the people that we can help. And I think we can just help more together. So, man, and especially at a time when so much of that is being undermined, um, you, you just, you couldn't be more right. It's, it's, uh, it's solidarity time in those independent types of professions and, and independent types of fields. And uh, I, I enjoy that just as much as, as anything. Some, some of the great questions we've gotten from people that have connected from your side. Um, I mean, it, it's some of the most fun is, is people that have even listened to our previous talks and come at us with a totally different framework based on like a conversation that we had for like an hour or something. I mean, that's, yeah. it's, it's phenomenal. And, and, and on the, on the, on the tale of talking about a bunch of negative stuff on the digital side, that is truly the positive, the, the most positive thing of, of the digital side is, is that, you know, this conversation, previous conversations, um, videos, things like that can be, can be shared and kept just like, uh, just like a record, just like, just like something, a tape or, or a shirt or something from our past, but now it can actually help us move forward. And, and as much as I definitely tend to frown on some of the digital side of our lives right now, that's such an upside. I've got 50,000 things saved in my phone from quotes to photos and everything like this, that they all have a purpose and a use at some point. And, uh, and just continuing to share them on is, is, it makes it makes a lot of fun amidst a lot of non-fun right now, and and I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. Well, man, I think it's a that's a good place to wrap it. We covered a lot of ground. We talked about some important things. We definitely talked about some things that if you're if you're lost, I mean, and I'm not trying to to make like a preacher's plea to the pulpit here, but if you're lost, if you don't have an outlet for training, if you don't know where to go with your training, I can't highly encourage enough. Check out Wolf Brigade. Check out the Wolf Brigade byproduct page just to give these guys some support because they're doing it at the ground level over and over and over again. And there's a lot of answers to a lot of simple questions out there. And if you don't know what to do, you have resources to help people. You have resources to, to evaluate people and scale people. I mean, it's just been really something that I am so glad that in the midst of something terrible like losing my friend Terrence, there was someone there that was able to help me through that time, help me make better version of myself in the time since then. 
and and just has done so for so many people over the years. So, Greg, once again, can't thank you enough for taking the time and being here and, and just sharing your life's work with people. It's important. I respect that so much, and, and I appreciate you just as much. And, and um, thank you to everyone that's listening, and, and we hope to see you and meet you. Come find us. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll, we will be here 100%. Thank you. Man, thanks. Have a great day. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you. All right.